Welcome, future doctors, to another episode of the Future Minority Doctor Podcast with Dr. Sulma and Marina, where we bring you conversations to empower and inspire you to contribute to your community and the world by becoming a doctor. Welcome back, future doctors. Thank you for joining us for another episode. We really hope you're enjoying the podcast and getting some useful lessons about school and life from it. If you haven't already, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, or YouTube to stay informed of new episodes and other content. This week's episode is on a topic that's been on my mind a lot lately because life seems to be getting busier and busier. You can probably relate to being busy, right, Dr. Zulma? I would have to say more than busy, and I would say in all areas of my life. At this point, I think it'd be lovely to have a secretary to assist me. (laughs) Yes, I agree. I would love a secretary. I think we could all use a secretary. (laughs) Yeah. If you're listening to this, you can probably relate to being busy too. Life has a way of adding more and more to our plate unless we are careful, and it can be hard to juggle all of it. When you're in high school or college, it can be tricky to juggle multiple classes at once, as well as work and volunteer and do family and social activities. Basically, there's a lot to keep track of. In my case, I'm currently trying to juggle this new practice that I just opened, as well as a few side projects and volunteer activities. And lately, I've just been feeling like I'm losing track of everything. So last week, I finally sat down. I organized all the piles of papers on my desk because I always have to feel like I'm organized before I start planning out the next week. And I basically wrote out a master to-do list for myself. I took a simple piece of white printer paper. I folded it into six sections, really cheap, really easy. And I had some colored markers. So I got out my colored markers and I used a different color for each section. You don't have to do this by the way, but that's my style. In each section, I wrote out the things I had to do for a particular project. So, you know, I have the stuff for my private practice. I have the stuff for this podcast. I have my personal stuff. I have my stuff for my urgent care job. So each section had all the things for that particular project. Then I looked it over because there were like 50 things on the list and it was a little bit overwhelming. (laughs) So I I got out my highlighter. And I highlighted the most important items on the list. These were the things that I had to get done this week or else something bad would happen or I would miss a deadline or something like that. And so then I had my list. I felt a little bit more in control of the situation because I had everything written down and I had my priorities highlighted on the list. For the big things on my list that I knew would take at least a few hours, like planning this episode, for example, which takes a couple of hours, I looked at my calendar on my phone. And then I decided, okay, where can I put this big chunk of time for this assignment? So that way, I made sure that I actually blocked off time to get the big things on my list done. Because sometimes when I have the big things, but I don't actually plan when I'm going to do them, then all of a sudden, I have an oh, shoot moment where it's like, when is this going to be done? And I have to stay up all night doing it. So luckily, since I had my list and I had my priorities, little by little over the week, I checked off some items, including some of the big things as well as some of the small things. And then I would occasionally look back at the list and readjust the priority items if needed. At the end of the week, I had not done everything on my list, but I had done most 
of the important things and a few of the other things as well. So when I sat down again yesterday to make a new list for the new week, I added new important things and carried over the things that I hadn't gotten done last week. There were a few items that I decided didn't make the cut, like I hadn't gotten around to them and they weren't that important. So I basically just let them fall off the list. Maybe I'll get back to those eventually or maybe not, but either way, it's fine. So when I find myself getting busy and overwhelmed like I was last week, having a color-coded and highlighted to-do list is what works for me. What about you, Dr. Zuma? What works for you when you're, you feel like you have too many things to do? Yeah, so very similar. I have to have a to-do list as well, just because there's so many things going on um, in the different areas of my life, just like yours. So I usually keep my to-do list on my phone. So I have it in a note section. And the reason I do it there for me is because it's handy. So if I'm at my kid's school, And then the teacher tells me something or there's an announcement, I can just get on my phone and I write it. And then what I do after that is I'll look at it maybe like in the evening. And then I actually put the most important on top of the list. And then the least priority um, things to do are go towards the bottom. And then when I complete them, I'm just deleting. And it feels really good every time I delete and see the list getting smaller. (laughs) It's immediate (laughs) satisfaction. (laughs) I know that feeling. Yeah. And I like that you mentioned your phone because I do sometimes use my phone too. Sometimes I don't have time to sit down and like have a written list. So just do what works for you. If you're never going to, you know, be at your desk and never be looking at your piece of paper, then just use your phone and do what works for you. But make sure you have some sort of system that prioritizes things kind of like we mentioned. All right. If you're in high school or college and struggling to do everything that you are expected to do or want to do, then please keep on listening because we have some great tips for you today when it comes to time management. We've broken it down into a few major tips. So let's dive in. Tip number one is this, set realistic expectations. This sounds easy, but it's actually quite complicated. In fact, I think the biggest problem people run into when trying to manage their time is thinking that they can actually get everything done all of the time. I'm embarrassed to remember that when I was a freshman in college, I was trying to take a really heavy course load. I think something like 18 to 20 credits per quarter at one time. So that meant taking about five to six classes at a time. I was also working about 10 hours per week. I was involved in some volunteer activities. And like most college students, I really like to socialize and hang out with friends. I knew that the course load I was taking was not going to be easy, but I really believed that if I carefully kept track of everything and if I scheduled every hour of every single day just right, I would be able to do it all and do it, not just not just get it done, but actually get good grades while doing it. So I spent hours designing. Again, I like my color <laughs> colored <laughs> markers. So I did these beautiful color-coded schedules with every hour of every day blocked out with what I would do, like eat breakfast, eat dinner, attend classes, go to work, do my volunteer activities, study, exercise, sleep. So I had everything planned out. Well, guess how well that ended up going. What do you think, Dr. Soma? You know me. (laughs) It never works out the way you plan it. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, exactly. It was basically a total disaster. I was trying, I was trying to over plan, basically. Sticking to such a rigid schedule like that is almost impossible. Unless you have someone watching you every minute and making sure that you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. 
But most of us are not that disciplined and we don't have someone looking over our shoulder unless we're at work, maybe. There are some people who are very disciplined. I actually had a friend in college who was, and I was always so amazed by her because she just said, this is what I'm going to do after class. And she would always do it. And I thought, wow, I wish I had that level of discipline. But the fact is that I just didn't at the time. And I still don't always. And so looking back at that experience during freshman year and even into sophomore year, what happened was that I ended up gradually falling further and further behind because I had set up this unrealistic, rigid schedule. I ended up getting some C's and I felt like a complete failure. The thing that I didn't realize at the time was I had basically set myself up for failure because of the unrealistic expectations that I had for myself. I had expected myself to be superwoman. So of course I failed because nobody can be superwoman or superman or superperson, right? Exactly. <laughs> How about you, Dr. Zulma? Did you ever struggle with setting unrealistic expectations for yourself, whether it was in high school or college or medical school? Yeah. Um, in my case, I think it was uh, mostly in college, but I, it still carried over to medical school. Um, I think just by nature, I think a lot of probably most of you that are listening that want to be doctors, you want to do it all. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's just in our nature to do it. That's why we go for this profession. But for myself, I got over involved in doing so many service oriented activities, and then taking these lead positions in certain organizations as well, which is very time consuming. And then if I was asked to help out with something, I usually said yes, because it was likely a very meaningful activity for me. But the reality was that I didn't have the time to do it all because something has always got to give. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, just like Dr. Marina, my grades did suffer in college, especially. And in medical school, I would say my sleep was definitely sacrificed. I think creating balance is important and recognizing that each of us has a different meaning of balance as well. And try not to compare yourself to others. Also knowing that's okay to say no and create boundaries for yourself. My kids nowadays, they constantly hear mommy say, I am only one person and I can only do so much. <laughs> and it's funny because I hear them repeat the same thing as well. <laughs> uh -huh, I love it. It's a good lesson to learn early on in life. It's true. Let's accept our limitations and just work within them. The bottom line is this, don't try to do it all or be it all, especially not all at once. Don't try to be superhuman because chances are you'll either end up failing or burning yourself out way too quickly. In fact, doctors tend to have high rates of burnout and at least one reason for this is that we try to do too much. In our ambition to help the world, we sometimes take on too much. We don't want you to become a burned out doctor. So learn the lesson now instead of later. Learn to set realistic expectations for yourself. And this is going to serve you well for the rest of your life. This actually reminds me of the character Luisa from the latest Disney movie Encanto. Has your family seen that, Dr. Zuma? Um, Like every day when we have our TV days. Our TV days are uh -huh. our weekends. So I think I wa I've watched it like 100 times by now. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It's a really fun movie if you haven't seen it. So this character, Luisa, she's a, f a female character. She's the older sister of the main character. And she has a gift of superhuman strength. And she tries to be strong for everyone else. But her self-worth is actually tied up to her ability to do it all for everybody else. And there's a point in the story where she starts to lose her strength 
And she has to start to consider who she is if she doesn't have her superhuman strength. And there's a wonderful song in the movie about this internal conflict called Surface Pressure, which is really fun, but also brilliantly insightful about this just tendency that some people have to feel like they have to do it all and be it all and like carry the weight of everyone's burdens, including themselves, and the problems that that can cause internally. Yeah. And I, and I think that it really translates like to a lot of, uh, I would say first generation doctors and college students because of the role that you play within your family or your community Mm -hmm. and you've carried so much weight and then you carry it on and, and they see you because you are a successful person Uh and they still want and want and want from you. Just like with the um, character Luisa in there where the whole community is constantly asking her for things because she's just seen as this very strong person. So um, uh-huh. it, I mean, if you haven't seen this movie, check it out. Um, because if you're likely heading to be a doctor, you're going to relate with a, lo- a lot of her um, characteristics that she has. Yeah, plus it's a fun movie. While we're on the topic of realistic expectations, another hard lesson I've learned is this. Things usually take much longer than you think they will. Just the other day, I was trying to file a simple tax form. And I saw it was like a little thing on my to-do list. I thought this is going to take 15 minutes. I'm going to go online, find the form, file it. It's going to be easy. It ended up taking a whole frustrating hour to get it done because the IRS website is complicated and I couldn't figure out how to file it electronically and all these other things. I had to watch YouTube videos (laughs) to figure it out. Anyway, what was supposed to be a quick task took four times as long as I thought it was going to. So I've learned this over and over and over, and I cannot count the number of times. It's thousands of times in my life where this has happened. (laughs) How about you? Has that happened to you, Dr. Zulma? I would say every day. (laughs) I think I encounter like multiple supposedly quick tasks, and it it eventually just takes so much time. Part of it is just my kids are still small. (laughs) Uh So everything just takes longer. I mean, just the other night as I was planning, okay, this I'm going to work on stuff for the podcast and so forth. And usually, you know, I can get my kids to bed 10, 15 minutes. Well, that day, uh, my daughter decided to have a tantrum, turned to an hour. And I'm like, oh, there goes that. Uh And a lot of other things. But, you know, when I start getting frustrated, I just switch. And I say, you know what? It is what it is. And you just can't plan everything. And sometimes, you know, you just have to learn to be flexible and roll with the punches and say, okay, I'll get to it next time. But if you're able to plan ahead of time for a certain project or a certain assignment, or for many of you who are in high school right now that are getting ready to apply for FAFSA, give yourself time. Okay, this isn't a Mm -hmm. quick thing that you're going to get through really fast and expect that as well. Exactly. The lesson here is give yourself plenty of time to get things done. Or put some flexibility into your schedule. For example, if you're going to plan everything and you think you're going to get everything done by Saturday, give yourself Sunday just in case like things, you know, spill over or you haven't gotten things done or give yourself like an evening or a day or whatever you can, a few hours here and there, a flexible time. That's like, okay, just in case everything doesn't go as planned, then I have these little pockets of time to catch up if I can. Agreed. Another thing I've learned about setting realistic expectations is this. Give yourself time to recharge and to have fun. I know we've talked about this before, but this is important in terms of the bigger picture of time management. 
when I had my crazy unrealistic freshman year schedule, I did not do a good job of scheduling in enough hours for sleep or for having fun. And that's actually one reason I fell behind with everything. Because when my friends would come over and invite me to go out to eat, or I would see that someone was having a late night talk session in the dorm and I really wanted to join, then I couldn't resist the temptation and I would do those things. (laughs) But then that means that I fell behind on studying and on my assignments that I was supposed to be doing. So when it comes to your schedule, figure out how much wiggle room you need for social activities, sleep, exercise, and other things that help you to rest and to recharge. If you know you need an hour after school or after work to eat and watch a show and just relax, then give yourself that hour and plan around it. If you know you really want to go to your nephew's birthday party next month and you can do it without sacrificing school too much, then schedule it and plan around it. Just make sure that the amount of time you spend on fun and leisure is properly aligned with your long-term goals. So for example, you can't say, I'm going to play video games 12 hours a day and I'm going to take four classes and get A's because for 99.9% of people, that's just not possible. (laughs) So be realistic and try to find balance in your own way. One final note about setting expectations. If you're in the middle of trying to balance school and work and volunteer and social activities, and if you're struggling to do it all, if you're constantly falling behind or sleep deprived or overwhelmed or super stressed, then I encourage you to do this. So I'm going along with my paper writing thing. (laughs) Write down a list. You can do it on paper or you can do it on your phone, whatever works for you, or on your computer. Write down a list of all the projects or things that you have going on in your life. For example, if you're in college, your list could look like this. You have one project that's microbiology, organic chemistry, history, writing, and then maybe your volunteer activities like free clinic, Habitat for Humanity, pre-med club, and then your work as a lab assistant, and then maybe your personal stuff. Maybe you have medical appointments that you have to go to, or you're helping to take care of a family member and you have to take them somewhere. So write down all of those big areas of your life, all of those projects, and it's going to look different for every person. So your list is going to be your list. So then look at each project that you have written down and ask yourself a few questions. First, is this something that is really important to me? I think sometimes we, we end up doing things that really aren't important to us, but somehow they just ended up on our list. And if we really take a step back and ask ourselves, we start to realize, you know what, I'm doing this thing, but I don't even know why I'm doing it. And maybe I can take it off my list. So ask yourself, is this something that is really important to me? And then next, ask yourself, is this something that is necessary? So you might be taking organic chemistry and you think, oh, this is not important to me. I hate organic chemistry. (laughs) But you have the long-term goal of becoming a doctor. And guess what? We didn't design the system, but organic chemistry is a necessary class that you have to take to apply to medical school. So even if it doesn't feel important to you, but if it's necessary to get to your long-term goal, then that's another question to consider. Next question is, is this something that I have to be doing now or can it wait until later? So maybe like, you know, like me when I was a stupid freshman in college and I was trying to take way too many classes. If I had asked myself that question, I would have realized that, okay, I don't have to be taking all these five classes right now. Like I can take 
three of the major classes and a fun class and then wait to take these other classes next year. Or if you're involved in like too many volunteer activities, like too many clubs or too many social activities, it's like, okay, do you have to be doing all of that right now? Or can you do some of the things this year and some of the things next year or in two years? So that's another thing that's going to help you realize, like, are there things you can take off your list to make your life more manageable? Are there things that can wait until later? And then the last question, what would actually happen if I let go of this for now? This is more of like a trying to get away from catastrophizing. Sometimes we think it's like, oh my gosh, but like I signed up for microbiology and biochemistry and four of the classes at once. And like, if I withdraw or if I drop out of the class, there's going to be a big fat W on my transcript or like, you know, they're going to ask me like, why did you drop this class? But we start to like, think of the worst case scenario in our head. And most of the time that worst case scenario is not going to (laughs) happen. So that's another thing to consider. What would actually happen if you let go of something? And try to like calm down your brain about like what, what's realistically going to happen, not what's the worst case scenario, because the worst case scenario hardly ever happens. So just those questions can be really helpful. If you know that you have too many things on your to-do list, it can really help to break it down, take a step back, look at everything you're trying to do and see, okay, what do I actually need and want to be doing and what has to happen now? Any thoughts about that, Dr. Zuma? Yeah, you know, um, while you're saying all of that really comes to mind is just really narrowing down what is your need versus your want. Need are things that need to be done. Wants are probably things that you're desiring, but aren't necessarily needing. So I think once you can really, you know, if you do a list and you can separate out those two is really is really good to do And it. And it even translates beyond academics. It'll be even with your spending or whatever it might be. It's need versus want. It's really important to narrow it down. And I agree. If you go through these questions um, of asking yourself that Dr. Marina said, it'll really narrow down to what you're supposed to be doing and how. Yeah, I wish I had. I wish I'd had someone tell me that like 20 years ago, but it's something I've learned over time. Okay, so that was tip number one, set realistic expectations. Tip number two is do the most important things first. It really helps to come to peace with the fact that you will probably never accomplish 100% of everything you want to do. But the truth is that you can accomplish the things that are most important to you. In order to do this, though, you have to know what the most important things are for you. If I had looked at my to-do list last week with 50 things on it and expected myself to get all of those 50 things done, guess what? I would have been setting myself up for disappointment, or I could have killed myself to get it all done by only sleeping three hours each night. Now, for me, sleep is a priority, and I do not do well without sleep, so I wasn't willing to sacrifice it too much. I simply accepted the fact that I couldn't get everything done. Like Dr. Zulma says, I'm only one person. I can only do so much, right? But I could get the most important things done, so I chose to focus on doing what I realistically could. And that's where my handy highlighter came in. I went through my list and I highlighted the most important things to do that week. And because I made those things a priority, I got all of them 
or at least almost all of them done. The things that had to get done got done. I did have to stay up late one night to finish something urgent, but I didn't end up losing too much sleep. Dr. Z, I'm curious, tell me more about how you keep track of the things you do. You mentioned you keep a to-do list on your phone, but like, how do you track it all? Does the list ever get overwhelming? Do you ever have trouble figuring out what the most important thing is for you? Um, I think I mentally go through a lot of those same questions that um, you mentioned earlier as I'm going through it. And the thing is, sometimes I can create a list and have things as a priority, but if life happens, (laughs) and then it changes. So I do look at it every day, just in the event something has come up within the week, and then I have to readjust things. But I enjoy just tracking it on my phone because I like the immediate gratification of eliminating it (laughs) Uh from the list. And it makes me feel accomplished. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it it works well for me. It might not work well for everybody, but um, for me, it works well. And then sometimes too, what I do is I'll look at that list and then um, I'll then get onto my calendar and how I'm planning things out of things that are on my list. And that's just helpful for me since I'm always on the go. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Usually if I have a big block of time on a certain day, like tomorrow, I actually don't have anything for most of the day. Like I work out in the morning and then I have something in the evening, but I have this big chunk of time. So if I have that big chunk of time, then that's where I take a look at my list and and take a look at those bigger projects and decide, okay, what can I work on during that chunk of time? Now, sometimes you're not always going to have big chunks of time like that. So you're just going to have to work with what you have. During smaller chunks of time, what I like to do is check off some of the smaller things. But if you're disciplined, you can force yourself to work on the big things in small chunks of time. Sometimes that's just what you have to do to get it done. (laughs) So don't stress about the fact that you don't have five hours to write your paper. Just like write one paragraph at a time during the smaller chunks of time that you have. Some people do find it helpful to spend some time the first thing in the morning doing the thing that is most important or even the thing that they dread doing the most. For example, if you're taking that dreaded organic chemistry and you really want to get a good grade in the class in order to get into medical school, but you end up finding the class difficult or boring, then maybe what you can start to do as a habit is force yourself to do like just 30 minutes or an hour, whatever you have time for. But um, set aside a piece chunk of time in the morning to do organic chemistry. You could do your homework, you can do practice problems, but force yourself to do the thing that you dread doing the most or that's most important first. And what's going to happen is if you make that a habit or if you start doing that, you might actually stop dreading it, first of all but you're really going to start to achieve your goal related to that. So if you want to get a good grade in OCHEM, if you're spending 30 minutes doing practice problems every morning, it's going to get easier. And you're much more likely to get a good grade in the class if you're doing the hard thing or the most important thing first. I actually started doing this with my exercise many years ago, partly because I didn't like to exercise. (laughs) Um, And now I have the habit of exercising first thing in the morning most days. I don't hate it anymore, but it's nice to get it out of the way in the morning so then I can focus the rest of my day on everything else that I need to do. And I should mention one thing. So speaking of things that we dread, some people struggle with procrastination. 
the bad habit of saying you're going to do something, but instead of doing it, you end up scrolling through Instagram or watching YouTube videos or binging (laughs) Netflix or going out with friends or whatever it is. But you say you're going to do something and then you keep putting it off, you keep putting it off, you keep putting off. And before you know, you're super stressed because that thing that you said you're going to do still is not done. Procrastination can really get in the way of getting anything done, even the most important things on your list. Procrastination is a big and complicated topic that we don't have time to get into in this episode, but stay tuned for a future episode coming soon with tips on how to overcome procrastination. Any thoughts about that, Dr. Zulma? Yeah, I mean, everything that you said, it's, I mean, I do some of the things that you mentioned. I like to get the things I don't like out of the way first as well, because mm-hmm. I almost feel like I'm freed up for the rest of the day, even though I have other things to do. Also, if it's a, just because of my limitations with time, I do like to break up tasks that I know are going to take me several hours to do or to accomplish. I do it in, in pieces and it doesn't feel as, as painful to do it. So mm-hmm. that's very helpful to me as well. And I mean, I, I had to learn this the hard way. I procrastinated a lot in college. <laughs> um, so it, I don't like the feeling. Uh, and it's exactly like you said, that amount of stress that it causes, I just I really dislike it. So I try not to procrastinate. Instead, I do things in chunks or get the things I don't like out of the way, just like you mentioned earlier. Yeah. And that's a tough one. That's why we're going to devote a whole episode to it because <laughs> I am also a recovering procrastinator. <laughs> and sometimes I still I still do it, but we've, we've both learned a lot of lessons mm-hmm. about that. <laughs> All right. So in summary, tip number two, do the most important things first. Tip number three is learn to say no. I wish I had learned this earlier in my life. But again, this is one of those things that is much easier said than done, especially for some of us. Some of us have been raised to try and be polite and help others. In fact, most of us. If someone asks us to help with something, our go-to response is to say yes in order to be polite and be helpful. But what happens if we say yes to every request? We quickly end up overwhelmed and unbalanced. We end up trying to do too much and failing at it. So how do we protect ourselves from overcommitting? We have to practice saying no sometimes, as hard as it might be. Next time someone asks you if you will do something, instead of feeling like you have to give an answer right away, buy yourself some time by saying this. Let me think about it and I'll get back to you. Again, practice saying this. Let me think about it and I'll get back to you. Don't just jump to saying yes or no. This gives you time to carefully consider if it is something that is important enough to you and if it is something that you actually have the time to do along with your other commitments. If the answer truly is, yes, I want to do it, it's important to me and I have the time, then get back to the person and you say yes. But if you think about it and you really don't have time or the desire or whatever else, then go ahead and say, you know, I thought about it but I'm so sorry, I already have so much to do, and I won't be able to help. Like I said, this is not easy, and for some of us, saying no can feel very uncomfortable at first. It does get easier with practice, though. Dr. Zulma, I know you have a very large extended family, and you are all pretty close. Have you ever struggled with this thing of saying no to them when they ask you for help? Oh, yeah. I mean, I 
I think when you come from a very well-connected large family, it's very difficult. I think this is for anyone. And I think until today, I still struggle a little bit with it, but I have learned to say no, but it still feels uncomfortable, especially if it's like your sibling or your parents, even my parents still till today. But I've learned to create those boundaries and decline when they ask me to do things for them. And I think something else that's also important is that if you don't create boundaries, your family can actually take advantage of you. Mm -hmm. So when you do create those boundaries, you set this limit that they know there's a chance if I ask, she might or might not be able to do it. And they even ask in a different way. (laughs) Uh So just realize though what your own limitations are and help only when you can. And I really like what Dr. Marina said of how to buy yourself time. Let me see if I can get, if I will be able to help you out. Let me get back to you. That's awesome. I love it. I wish I knew that one uh-huh. early on in college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't always remember. The truth is I do not always remember to say that, but much more now than I used to. It's like, okay, let me actually think about it before I just jump to wanting to help because I wish I could help with everything, but I, none of us has the time. Like you say, I'm only one person. I can only do so much, right? Yep. Yeah. When you're in high school or college, you may find yourself overwhelmed with the number of options you have for social and volunteer activities and classes. It might be tempting to choose too many activities and overcommit yourself. Just remember, be mindful and take time to reflect on whether something is truly important to you and whether it's the best use of your time considering your long-term goals. If it just doesn't feel right for you right now, that's okay. Other opportunities will come along when you are ready for them. In fact, just last month, I found out about a humanitarian trip to Colombia that would be happening in a few months. And it's been a few years since I've done humanitarian work outside of the country, and I really wanted to go. But as I've been looking at my really long to-do list the last few weeks and at my bank account and all (laughs) these other things, I reflected on whether it was the wisest choice for me at this time. I unfortunately decided that that it is not the right time to take this trip, but I know that it's going to be an option again in a few months or next year or in two years. I don't have to be doing everything right now that I want to be doing, and that's okay. But it was a little bit painful to step back and say, oh, this trip that I really wanted to go go on and would have helped a lot of people. It's just not the right time for me. And I just had to be at peace with that decision for myself. But realize that the opportunity is going to come along again. And if it's the right time, I can take it then. Tip number three was learn to say no. Practice, practice, practice. I promise it's going to be worth it. And then our last tip of the day. Tip number four, allow flexibility for the unexpected. Dr. Zulma, you mentioned flexibility earlier. And let's delve a little more into this. The hard reality of life is that we can't plan everything. Unexpected things happen. Everything from getting a cold to a global pandemic to accidents and injuries. We can't plan when we're going to find the love of our life or when our next breakup will happen. We hope we will live a long life, and I hope all of us do, but we really never truly know how long we have. This is why it's important to be flexible, both in terms of our day to day schedule and in terms of our mind and our emotions. We can think of approaching life with one of two different attitudes. Now, this is just a simplistic way of looking at it, but 
let's say that there are these two different attitudes that we can take in life. Attitude one is this. My life is supposed to be a straight line from point A to point B. If I plan and do everything perfectly, my life will go smoothly and everything will be fine. Okay, that's attitude one. Attitude two on the opposite end of the spectrum is this. I want to get from point A to point B, but I know there might be curves along the way. I don't know when the next curve in the road will be, but I'm willing to adapt when it comes. So again, those two different attitudes on two different ends of the spectrum. So which attitude do you think will lead to a happier life? With attitude one, if anything goes slightly unexpectedly, you might find yourself really frustrated and really unhappy. Despite your best efforts, you cannot control everything, but your desire to control everything can make you really miserable. With attitude two, if something goes unexpectedly, it might not be pleasant, it might be hard, it might be sad, but you will be willing to adapt as necessary because you knew that this was going to be part of the journey. You are able to be happy even when things don't go perfectly your way. This is very similar to the growth mindset that we discussed back in episode eight. So if you have not heard episode eight, we encourage you to go back and listen to that because that's really a lot of what we're talking about here in having a flexible mindset. I wish I could say that I am a Zen master and always have that attitude number two with everything in my life, but that is sadly not the case. (laughs) I aspire to lean towards attitude two which really does make life less frustrating and more enjoyable. And the more that I practice attitude to, the easier it gets. What about you, Dr. Z? Are you a Zen master? (laughs) Not at all. I I would, you know, I think naturally, like most, you know, I sometimes will go back and forth between the two or somewhere in the middle. But but I also strive to be more like attitude too. But there are certain things in life that I'm so easily like totally 100% attitude too. Mm-hmm. But in other things, it's more like I'm attitude one. But my kids, though, they're constant reminders to practice attitude two because I know they're watching me. And this is how they're learning to react to life challenges. So definitely not a Zen master, but I'm uh-huh. working towards it hopefully <laughs> one day. Yeah, I mean, is is anyone actually a Zen master? Probably like, you know, three three people in the world are Zen masters, and that's okay. <laughs> the rest of us, we're just trying our best, <laughs> right? Okay, we know that this was a long episode, but thanks for hanging in there with us. Time management is a big topic. I wish I could tell you that there was a perfect planner that you could buy or a perfect time management app that you could get that you could use to help you accomplish 100% of your tasks 100% of the time. But decades of experience, we have about 40 years, each of us of experience. (laughs) And that has taught us that it's simply not possible most of the time to just do everything that you want to do. However, you can manage your expectations, your priorities, your habits and your attitudes in order to make you feel great about all of the things that you can accomplish. So just to summarize, our four tips about time management today were these. Tip number one, set realistic expectations. Tip number two, do the most important things first. Tip number three, learn to say no. And tip number four, allow flexibility for the unexpected. 
Thanks again for joining us and we send you our best wishes for you on your journey to becoming a doctor. Peace and love, everyone.